This is taken from John chapter 21, verses 15 to 23. Jesus reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the believers, because of this rumour spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not, not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, hello everyone, my name is Doug, for those of you who I don't know. Um, today we're going to be talking about how a relationship with the risen Jesus is life transforming. So for all of us, there are moments in our lives which are life transforming, both for bad and for good. Uh, earlier this week, I read that 80-year-old Dennis Fawcett uh, from Derbyshire won £116,000 uh, in the Euro Millions lottery. And he did this by forgetting his glasses before he went to get his lottery ticket, which meant he couldn't see his regular numbers. So he put down random ones and somehow won. So there we go. Um, in an online poll that I read, it said that the most life-changing moments of your life are finishing school, uh, leaving home for the first time, driving alone for the first time, getting married, having children and being promoted. But there are also moments uh, in our lives which are not so good, but still transforming. And one of those this week uh, was the, sadly the, the death of Nigel, our friend. Uh, Nigel and I met uh, at CAP in launch on a Thursday and really bonded over, over guitar. And that was wonderful. And Life transforming is a weird way to describe it, but 
I can't think of a better way because it now feels like there is something missing because I miss my friend and that's and that's quite hard but more than these moments that in our life that are transforming there are relationships in our lives that are transforming too and so for an example of that is marriage um, I've been married for almost four years and whilst my wedding day was amazing I the day itself I don't remember being life transforming but if I think to who I was now to who I was when we were engaged or even when we started dating I can see the transformation that's happened because over those years that we Laura and I have spent together I have changed as a person and I've been transformed when we talk about when I ask people about their um about who what their favorite subject is um almost always it's got to do with the, who their favorite teacher was like your your life has been transformed by a by a relationship with a teacher so much that your you know, your your favorite subject is now that and I just think that's really cool and what i want to put to you today and what our friend nigel put so much better than i ever could in his song uh, good friend jesus was that the most transforming relationship of all is one with the risen jesus and as we look through peter and through this passage we're going to see how that can apply to him and that how that can apply to us as well so this is probably one of my favorite passages in the whole bible because we get this setting of uh, Jesus on the beach uh, having a conversation with his friends. Now, the most important thing ever has just happened. Jesus has risen from the dead, something he claimed to do, something that no one has ever, ever done before or since. And what does he choose to do? He doesn't go back to Jerusalem and stand up in front of crowds of thousands of people and go, look at me, I'm alive, I'm the king. He doesn't go to Pilate or Herod and go, ha ha, nice try. No. He goes to the beach and has a barbecue with his friends. Now, the context of this passage is that uh, the disciples have seen the risen Jesus, but they don't have a clue what to do anymore. And so Peter, who's impulsive, goes, I'm going fishing. Peter was a fisherman. That's the, his, the trade he knew. Jesus once quipped that uh, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And so he doesn't know what to do. So he's going to go back to what he knows. And the other disciples who are with him go, eh, why not? And so they go with him. And so they have this incredibly unsuccessful night of fishing. And then the mornings come, they're far less likely to catch any fish. But then Jesus turns up on the um, on the shoreline. And they don't know it's Jesus yet, but he goes, all right, lads, how's the fishing gone? And I think it's interesting that I'm being quite specific with the term lads there, because the word in the Greek is paedia. It's where we get the word paediatrician from. And it literally means children. But Jesus isn't being a matron or a schoolmaster. here. He's not saying, come along, children. He's saying it's colloquialism. He's talking about, all right, boys. All right, lads. That's the word he's saying. It's words of friendship, words of like of, of love, of, of brotherhood, of being in like fraternity, for want of a better word, with these people. And they don't realize it's Jesus. But Jesus says, throw your nets on the other side. And so they do. And they catch an absolutely insane amount of fish. And John remembers that this has happened before and goes, oh, it's Jesus. And Peter, who was naked, which is an interesting detail the passage gives us, gets dressed and jumps into the sea and, and swims as fast as he can to be with Jesus. And John's right. This has happened before. In Luke chapter five, we get the same miracle happening on the same lake 
with the same people three years earlier. And on that occasion, we see a very different Peter. Because after that, Peter comes to shore and then he says, get away from me, Jesus. I, I do not deserve to be anywhere near you. Peter is so ashamed of himself, so broken as a person, that he can't bear the idea of being with this holy guy. And then three years later, the same thing happens and he swims as fast as he can to be with Jesus because there's nothing that can stop him being with Jesus. And for us, who, for those of us who have encountered the risen Jesus, for those of us who have felt those moments of feeling so close to him, we get that feeling because there is nothing in the whole world like being with Jesus. It's like you've lived your whole life in a room with the lights off and then someone just came and turned the lights on. And those first meetings can be amazing as people in this church can testify their times of uh, incredible physical healing or freedom from addiction. Um, but it's always the start of a relationship and it's the relationships that's the transforming part. It's the relationship that we see, spending time with Jesus, reading his word, being in his presence and seeking after him in times when we feel really close to him and times when we feel don't. That relationship is the thing that transforms us. And more than that, there's a there's a sense that we need this, that there is something human about this relationship. In the 16th century, there was a scientist called Blaise Pascal who was also a Christian, and he argued that every single one of us needs this relationship. And he wrote, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but there was once in man a true happiness, of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there, the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, God himself. But relationships are tricky and people get hurt. And as we see in this passage, this hurt needs to be dealt with. So we come onto the passage we read today and we learn from verse 20 that, they've, that Jesus and Peter have probably gone on a walk. So they've left the others in the, uh, having a barbecue on the beach and they've gone for a walk along the shore. And then Jesus asks Peter this question. Peter, do you love me? And he asks him three times. And Jesus isn't insecure here. He's not like really desperate for Peter's love. No, he, he knows the answer. He's being intentional. And he's being intentional because Peter... Uh, disowned he he denied that jesus was his friend or even knew jesus three times in matthew chapter 26 we get the they've just the disciples and jesus have just had the last supper and and jesus says right all of you i'm about to go and die and all of you are going to go and betray me and peter goes absolutely not not a chance in anything i it, all these others might might abandon you but i will never ever abandon you and Jesus says, yes, he will. In fact, th before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny me three times. And that's exactly what happens. And in Luke 22, we get this pretty painful description of the events that happen. And in verse 59, um, it, 59, it says this. It says about an hour later, another man insisted strongly. There isn't any doubt that any doubt that this man was with Jesus because he's from Galilee. But Peter answered, 
man, I don't know what you're talking about. At once, while he was speaking, a cock crowed. The Lord turned round and looked straight at Peter. I think that's just horrifying, actually. Because I've, I've been a bad friend in my life and people have been bad friends to me, but I've never denied I knew my best friend and then have him look at me in the eye. It's a pretty big thing that sat between Peter and Jesus. John Mark Comer, a pastor in the US, says that it's in relationships that cause us the greatest hurt, but it's in relationships which allow us the greatest healing. So here's a warning, because everything I said before about the relationship with Jesus being the best thing in the world and being incredible and being, there's nothing like it and life transforming, all of that is true, but it can also hurt. Because if there are things in our life that are in the way that God wants to deal with, he's going to. He's going to bring that stuff up. Peter probably did not enjoy this experience. It was probably a really painful thing to be confronted with Jesus and Jesus pointing out to him quite intentionally. This has happened. But look at how Jesus does it. He's taken him away from everyone else. He's not made it public. He's not trying to embarrass Peter. He's trying to restore him. He's trying to say, it's okay. I forgive you. I love you. Let's rebuild. Let's restore this relationship. And honesty is key. He's not looking for Peter to be dishonest or try and deny it. And Peter doesn't. He's quite flat out. He's just like, Peter, do you love me? And he's like, yes, absolutely. Honesty is really key. Because Jesus doesn't want us presented as our best self. He's not looking for the best version of us that we can possibly give him. He wants us exactly as we are. Because he's the one who's going to restore us. He's the one who's going to transform us. We can't make ourselves into, our, into the people we were always meant to be. But Jesus can. And if we let him, he will. But if there's something in the way of that, he's going to deal with it. It's like getting food poisoning. When you've got food poisoning and you've got like sat in your stomach and it just feels horrible and your face turns white and it's all just like, oh, this is the worst feeling. And then you vomit and it's just like, oh, this is just horrible. But then after you vomited, there's that sense of relief. It's like this, this thing is lifted from you. And that's kind of a little bit similar <laughs> to what... Um, what Jesus does because he wants to get rid of that stuff that's in the way of you having a relationship with him. He wants to get rid of that stuff that's stopping you having a relationship with the people around you. He wants to come and get rid of that. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Great Divorce, talks about it like um, cutting it off with a sword, having it physically removed from you because he wants to get rid of it. But there's more to this passage as well. Because after each reply that Peter gives, Jesus says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. What Jesus is describing here is being a shepherd. Greek word for shepherd is pastor. That's where we get that word from. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And therefore, Peter, this is what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to be a good shepherd to follow my example in love, 
And in one way we get this, we see this last transformation. Because then in the passage, it describes this quite odd thing about when you're younger, you're dressed yourself. When you're older, you'll, you'll be dressed and taken somewhere you don't want to go. But what, the, what Jesus is describing here is crucifixion. That Peter, you're going to die the same way I did. You're going to be crucified. And we know from history that that is what happened. Peter was crucified, but he's crucified upside down because he believed he couldn't die in the same manner that his saviour died. In John chapter 18, we get the we get the story of Jesus being arrested just before his death. And at the moment that the army, this, this the rabble arrives to try and arrest Jesus, Peter draws his sword. This is the moment, he thinks. This is the moment we're going to take back Jerusalem. We're going to kick out the Romans. We're going to kick out all the awful priests and we're going to make Jesus king. And we're going to make him king by force. And, P and Jesus just looks at him and goes, no, you have not got it. This is not the kind of king I am at all. And he lets them take him and be arrested. And Peter runs off. The man who ran away after knowing Jesus for three years, after all of the teaching and all of that, he couldn't do it and he runs off. But after his relationship with the risen Jesus, after encountering the risen Jesus, Peter is transformed. And to the end of his life, and Peter will die that death that Jesus describes. Now, Peter was one of the leaders in the early church. Catholics believe that he was the first pope. And if anyone had the ability to get rid of all these embarrassing stories about Peter, Peter did. But he doesn't. Peter intentionally leaves these, I, I think, intentionally puts these stories in. And in the stories we get in Acts, in the sort of the stories of the early church, Peter also gets things wrong and has to be corrected. It's like Peter saying, look, I didn't get it right from the start. I completely didn't. The person who transformed me was Jesus. I didn't do this by myself. Jesus did. And that is on offer to us as well. Because I've had what we sometimes call mountaintop moments. Those moments where you feel incredibly close to God. And I've heard his voice and I have seen dreams sent to him. And those moments are incredible. But it's the relationship I have with Jesus that is the thing that will really, that has transformed me. I can remember when I, when I was 16 and I, and I started this relationship with Jesus and I got to know him properly. I was like a mess compared to who I am now. But it's not, it's, and I can think of great moments along the way, but the whole, all that time is the thing that has transformed me. The spending time with him through all of that is the thing that has transformed me and the thing that transforms you as well, if you want it. Now, some of you might be really, really want to feel close to Jesus right now and might be like Peter being like, I want to, I'm going to jump off the boat. I'm going to swim to the shore. I'm going to see him. And that's great. I'm, and in, the, in our, in our groups, uh, we can pray for you and we can pray because God doesn't need us to be all gathered in one place for him to meet with us. And maybe there is something, there is something like a lump in your throat. There is something that is blocking your relationship with Jesus, something you're ashamed of, something that's really hurting. And we, and we can pray for healing for that as well in our groups. 
But if this is too uh, open a um, an environment for that, then then talk to John and Joe and T and and ask them to pray for you privately. Talk to a friend. How go and have how go and have a drink in a garden, and and have them pray for you privately and see how and see God. Let God encounter you in that place. Let him take you away from everyone else and bring healing in the way that he does with Peter. Or maybe you just feel your relationship with Jesus is stale and you just really want to get back to to get back to it. And what you need is prayer and prayer for and for that encounter again to get back on the right track. I'm going to hand back to, to John 